Welcome to the podcast for Centerpoint Church. Located in the heart of Concord, New Hampshire, Centerpoint is all about living and sharing a life-changing relationship with Jesus. The message today is a part of that journey, and we are glad to have you join us. Well, good morning, everybody. Good to have you here. Uh, for those of you, maybe this is your first time coming in here, and I uh, just want to orient you a little bit. August we spend together as, as families. It's called All Together August, and so normally this would be about the time that we send the kids, and they go running and screaming ready for their stuff, and, uh, but, but for All Together August, we stay together, and uh, so I know that our kids are really excited about that. That's fun, right? So they're screaming and shouting. I even kind of thought maybe we should just have them like do a lap or something, you know, to, to get it out at this time, but we haven't, haven't taken that plunge yet. But so families, you're in here and you're together, uh, but you're not alone because you're sitting amongst church family here. So as you might be sitting near families, this isn't the time to go get further away, right? So we understand this time of year, uh, sharing this space means there's going to be a little bit of extra wiggles, a little extra noise. We got some stuff in the back. Uh, if kids want to get that, feel free to get up even during the message and grab some of that stuff. If uh, the wiggles get to be a little bit too much for here in the room, uh, <clears throat> you're welcome to kind of head out to the foyer or even in the commons. We got the messages piped in over there and we've even got a room, call it a family room. And I would love to have your family be able to enjoy time in there. So parents, you kind of manage that as you see fit, uh, but I just don't want you to sweat it. We just, like, like the dancing over here, this is awesome. We got the, the wiggles moving on. This is good, right? And uh, so uh, we love that stuff. This is part of the fun of being church family together. Anyway, just wanted to make sure we're on the same page with this, and particularly for those of you who are new, you've got an awareness of what, what this is and, uh, and, and how we do this, all right? Let me, uh, let me pray for us as we get ready to jump into our message. Father, uh, we're, we're excited to see what you want to do here as we talk together. Uh, we pray that you would reveal yourself. Um, it's amazing to me that the same spirit, your spirit that inspired these words uh, is the same spirit that teaches us and illuminates these words for us. And so we ask that you would do that today, that you would give us eyes to see what maybe we've um, become blind to. Even those of us who've been walking with you for a long time, sometimes uh, our vision gets a little bit cloudy. And so we ask that you would help us to see uh, you more fully today through your word, that you would help us to see and to, to notice and to grow in our awareness of your presence and your love for us. God, we ask that you would, by the power of your spirit, open our ears to hear. Sometimes we are deaf and, and the noise around us can deafen us to the gentle whisper of your voice. And so we want to hear you speak today through your word, empowered by your spirit. And then God, we ask that you would soften our hearts. We come before you in humility, and we ask that you would uh, do a work in us through your spirit and through your word here today. And so soften our hard hearts, reveal the places of stubbornness in us. We pray this not just for these moments, but ongoing as we walk with you, that you would lead us, guide us, that we would walk with you in humility. So do that today, we pray. We're excited to see what you're going to do. So hear our prayer and lead us and guide us and teach us. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus, our Savior, our Master, our King. In his name we pray, let it be so. Amen. Amen. 
All right, turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Acts chapter 16. Continue to make our way through the New Testament book of Acts. And uh, we're looking at Acts chapter 16, beginning at verse 16. So 16, 16. We're going to read through this together. I'd encourage you to, to bring your Bibles with you. If you don't even have a paper Bible, you can reach in the pocket in front of you. Uh, and there, there's likely one there. Feel free to pull that out and feel free to use the table of contents. Nobody's going to look at you weird to find your way there to Acts chapter 16. And uh, feel free to use that. And if you don't have a paper Bible, uh, write your name into that one and take it with you. You've got a paper Bible now. And, and there's something good about the paper Bible. It gives us context. You know, with our electronic, we don't always get context. Like, where does Acts fit in things? And so sometimes it's helpful to learn our way through there. Um, but certainly if you don't have paper, you can use your phone. Just Google Acts 16 colon 16, and that'll get you there. You can look it up in your Bible app. Uh, you can follow along on the screen. And so we got it there, but that's less helpful because you don't get, it's harder to go back and look at things. And so I want you to be able to kind of look at things and notice things as we do this. So I'm going to read it out loud for us. We're going to uh, read um, a large section here, beginning at verse 16, and then we're going to talk together. And, I, and one of the questions I'm going to ask you is, is, what are you noticing? Like, let things just kind of come into your mind uh, as you read these things. And we're going to find out together, what, what are we noticing as we read scripture together? All right, so I'll come back to that in a second. Acts 16, 16. Uh, Once, when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. And she earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune-telling. As she followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you a way to be saved. And she kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the spirit, In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the spirit left her. And when her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, These men are Jews, and they're throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or to practice. Now the crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. And after they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell, and he fastened their feet in the stocks. Now about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And at once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. Now, the jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself, we're all here. The jailer called for lights and rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and he asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. And then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. 
he was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. Mm, that's something, isn't it? What did you notice as we read through this? What are some of the things that stood out? Uh, kids, you might have noticed some stuff too. Parents, you can help your kids make sure they're loud enough for the rest of us to hear. Um, but what did you notice? Norm, what you got? Say it again. An earthquake. Yeah, the jail was shaken by the earthquake, wasn't it? That's when the doors flew open, and it got, it got real in that moment for everybody in there. Yeah, what, what else was noticed? Nathan. Yeah, that's really something, isn't it? He trusted God enough, Paul and Silas trusted God enough, that even when the doors flew open, he stayed there, right? Yeah, I love that you noticed that. That's really good. Yeah, what, what you got, Kevin? Yeah, yeah. Because he stayed there, he was able to be a part of what God wanted to do in that jailer's life, right? And, and preserved his life, not only because he didn't kill his sword, but he preserved his eternal life and came to eternal life uh, through Jesus. Yeah. And he got saved there because of it. That's remarkable. He, Paul kept his eye on the ball, didn't he? Uh, that was his mission. That was what he was there for. And um, he didn't seem to be worried about the other stuff. Yeah, what do you got? Say it a little bit louder for me. I'm sorry. The prisoners helped the jailer believe in God. That's pretty remarkable, isn't it? Like these two guys were beaten with sticks, flogged, so they were hurting. The jailer is the one who put them right in the middle, like the inner jail, and put their feet in stocks, not stockings, but stocks, like like big things that held them fast so that they wouldn't get out. That jailer, that same jailer, these guys turned around they exercised compassion on him, didn't they? Mercy on him and helping them know Jesus. Yeah, that is remarkable. Got one or two more? What do you got, Tim? Uh, uh, Paul and Silas, because they helped this woman take the demon out of her, they went to jail. Yeah, yeah. Here they're doing this thing where they're helping this uh, woman who had a, a demonic spirit controlling her, and that same spirit was annoying Paul. Uh, do you see that part in there? Like, it happened for a number of days, and finally Paul was annoyed by it, is the word there. And, and so Paul frees her from it, but not everybody is happy about her freedom. Was they? This is what actually got them thrown in jail, the freedom that they brought to this young slave girl. Yeah. Yeah, not everybody gets a kick out of the freedom that Jesus brings. Right. What you got, Gabe? They did, right. Even though they were hurt, they defended the life of the jailer. They made sure he didn't hurt himself. He was about to kill himself. Yeah, that is really something. There's some people who might have thought, kind of deserves to. Like they shouldn't have even been put in prison in the first place, but he put him in the inside where it's dark. He put him, you know, like he needed a light to go in there. So we know it's kind of this inner cave-like thing and put their feet in stocks to make sure they couldn't get away. Um, yet they had compassion on him. Yeah. Yeah. Two more. What do we got right here? With the baby. Oh. Yeah. 
Yeah. That's right. That's right. We're seeing God uh, rescue the whole household there. So we see the influence that the jailer had in his household. That is, he came to believe in God. They all came to believe in God and were baptized in that. So it's, it's a movement of God in that whole household. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mom, right here. Yeah, it, it looks like um, the owners of the, the slave girl took advantage of the political climate in that day. You could hear that even in how they were getting the, the magistrates and the crowd ramped up. These Jews, right, because it wasn't a Jewish community that they were in. The synagogue uh, was, was safe there, but the whole community wasn't. And so they were using that to stir up. These Jews are stirring up trouble uh, and... That's what caused this whole commotion and the crowds got in. Is that what you were talking about there? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, uh, one more. Yeah. Yeah, so not all prophesying is from God, right? So, so here, there was uh, the, the literal uh, word there is, speaks to a spirit of divination, and it was a demonic spirit of divination. The, and, and this is like, for some of us who enjoy nerd stuff, uh, the Greek word there that's used to describe the spirit, a spirit of, is actually, the Greek word is python. Doesn't that sound like a different kind of word? What word does it sound like? Python, right. Where, where have we seen a snake before in the story of God, right? We go back to the beginning, Genesis chapter 3, we see the snaky one come out. And he's a liar, he's a deceiver, right? And so I just love how even in the Greek that the, the wordplay is captured even better than in our English translations. Um, and so we need to be wary. Just because something is spectacular uh, doesn't mean it's of God, right? So the, we, we test the spirits, we discern the spirits. And so this uh, young slave girl was being held captive by uh, the spirit, the, the spirit of divination, python, the spirit of deception, spirit of lying, the spirit of accusation, right? The, the, for, the fortune telling and her owners made good on that. They made money. They wanted her to be kept there. What we see through these things, I love the interaction on this stuff. Thank you for, for doing that uh, with me. And I, I love to see the things that you're noticing in the, and, and it helps me to even see things even more clearly. But one of the things that we see, this thread that's working its way through here, is, is we see people in captivity who experience freedom through Jesus. See, one of the marks that we're going to see as we engage in the mission of Jesus, because this is what Acts is all about. It's about the mission of Jesus moving forward in, in power so that all people, all nations uh, are brought into the, the goodness of God revealed in Christ. And God's people, empowered by God's spirit, are a part of this mission. And the fact of the matter is, just like in in, as we read here in scripture, the same is true in our lives, that as we engage in the mission of God, that's, that's our calling too. Uh, those of us who are in Christ, those of us who have given themselves to Jesus, have received his spirit. And with his spirit, we have received the commission to join 
God on his mission. Like God is still doing this thing. The thing that was started here, it's continuing in this world. And you and I, as followers of Jesus, are a part of it. And if we are going to be a part of the mission of God, the fact remains that we are going to experience opposition and roadblocks, like this is gonna be a part of our reality. And, and sometimes what we can do as we experience opposition or things that don't go the way we thought they should or wished that they would, we'll run up against these things and we'll take it as a sign that, that something is wrong, that, that, that we're wrong, that the message is wrong, that God's wrong. We'll take it as a sign that, 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 that it's wrong and, and it can make us check up and stop. The sign of, of opposition is not a sign that, that, it, that there's something wrong. Maybe there is, but we, we, we shouldn't receive opposition or roadblocks simply as that. We need to discern, we need to understand, and we also get to see that when it comes to the mission of God, the fact is you are, we are, like we're in this together, you are going to uh, face obstacles on God's mission. You are. All of us are. It's not a sign necessarily that you're doing it wrong. It's oftentimes a sign that you're right where God has you. Precisely where he has you. Some of you are experiencing those roadblocks right now. You're experiencing that opposition right now. And you're trying to figure out. You're trying to untangle it. You're trying to discern what's going on here. So the fact is that you are going to receive and experience obstacles on the mission. But Jesus, and we see this woven throughout here, Jesus brings freedom. He brings freedom. And Jesus overcomes obstacles of all kinds. And so I want us to look at kind of these three movements of this and see both the obstacles and how they present themselves. And I want you to see how Jesus reveals himself in freedom. And so in this first section, we're, we're talking about this here, verses 16 to 24. Verses 16 to 24. This slave girl uh, was bound by a, a demon, a demonic spirit, wasn't she? And this demonic spirit was, was taunting Paul and Silas and the others that were with them. It, it was a, a sort of taunt that was going on there. Now again, we can think all kinds of things about demonic spirits. For a lot of us in the room, when we even hear about demonic, we kind of go, yeah, I don't know. Right? Maybe it was back then, or maybe it was just mental illness, or sunspots, or something different. But, but we have a hard time, for many of us, we have a hard time even attributing demonic forces. But to do so would actually be to neglect the teaching of Scripture, which makes it clear that we are living in a world at war. There's a, a powers and principalities that govern this world. Those powers and principalities stand in opposition to God. Those spirits are real and true. And while we ought not focus on them because they don't deserve our attention, we would be wise to be attentive to what's going on in our world and the battle that's waging around us. And through the life, death, and resurrection of, and enthronement of Jesus, the kingdom of God is now present in the world also. The reign of God has begun. It's not yet covering the whole earth. The new thing has not been fulfilled, but it has begun. And so it creates this cosmic collision. And so there are angels and demons 
that are a part of this. And you and I live every day in this world at war. It's our reality. And so again, these are the places that we want to not hyper-focus out of fear or us trying to even control these other forces, but, but to be biblically, let me say that clearly, biblically minded, to be biblically minded, we must be attentive to these realities. And so we see that here. What are the ways that we see this uh, spirit through this slave girl kind of taunt uh, Paul, Silas, and the others? Well, we, we look at, at the phrase that's used here, and, and again, I want to create a little bit of nuance uh, from our English translation. It says, these men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. That's how the NIV says it. But there's a couple of places in there where there, there's some nuance to what's going on here. And so <clears throat> there's a, a mocking tone. We call it, uh, again, ours uses the language of servants. Um, uh, other translations will use slaves, uh, bond servants. And so there's even sort of a mocking. These guys don't even have their own authority. They're, they're bond servants. They don't even carry their own authority. So you begin to see there, there's some mocking uh, tone going on here as the demonic spirit speaks through this young slave girl. And so it's questioning their authority. They're mocking the dedication to God. And again, Paul would even go on to say in some of his other New Testament writings, I am a slave <laughs> to God. I'm a slave to Christ. So he kind of uh, confesses that. But here's this, this mocking tone. She's not proclaiming truth. She's mocking truth. The spirit is mocking truth here. Um, and so even the phrase, the most high God, they're servants of, they're slaves of the most high God. Again, our English translation will capitalize that, having already made the decision. But there's some wordplay going on here. And in a Jewish context, to refer to the most high God certainly would have been talking about Yahweh. That, that would have been a, a good assumption to make. But remember, they're outside of synagogue. They're in a community that isn't a Jewish community. They're in a community that was governed by uh, by false gods, mythic gods. And so just even that phrase, most high God, in that context could very well have been referring to Zeus. And so again, there's a mockery there. As Jews, they would have said the most high God is Yahweh. And we are servants of the most high God. But she's shaving off the edges. This is what Satan does. This is what the, the demonic voices do. They shave off the edges. Go back to Genesis chapter 3. We're shaving off the edges a little bit here. Um, and that's what deception looks like. That's what lying and accusation looks like. And so we see that there. And it's, it's questioning who really is God. It's drawing into question who God is and how God reveals himself. And then this other phrase that they use there, um, <clears throat> these men are slaves of the most high God who are telling you uh, the way to be saved. Again, there's, there's a little bit, uh, this, like the nerd stuff here, just hang with me um, a little bit. <clears throat> so our translation has gone, the way of salvation. The actual translation in there is much more nebulous, and uh, a number of scholars and commentators that I was trying to study on this uh, really highlighted the fact that it was, it's most likely um, a way of salvation. So just the way that it was phrased in the original uh, language there wasn't as explicit of, these men are trying to tell you the way to salvation, which is what they were doing. But her, her shouting out would have been, uh, these slaves of the Most High God are teaching you a way to salvation. 
Again, this is what the accuser does. This is what these spirits that stand opposed to God do. They, they shave off the edges. They, they nuance things. Where at first pass, I might go, yeah, yeah, yeah. But when you really look at what's happening, you go, no, no, no. Right? And we begin to see those things. And then even as Paul whirls around, what we see is <clears throat> we see him through his uh, proclamation uh, the, the casting out of these demons from this girl, Paul is establishing things. Paul's response shows us Jesus is the authority, right? In the name of Jesus, leave her. And so Jesus is the authority. You want to question whose authority? We're not under our own authority. We're under the authority of Jesus. And by his name, be free. And so Paul is establishing authority here. He's establishing that Jesus is the revelation of the one true God. Do you want to know who the one true God is, the most high God is? Look at Jesus. In the name of Jesus, you are free. Jesus is the one who reveals who the most high God is. And he does so with clarity. And so Paul continues to bring it back to Jesus. And Paul proclaims here that Jesus is the only salvation. There aren't any others. It's through the powerful name of Jesus that this slave girl is freed. Can you see how there are spiritual forces at work to hold in bondage, but it is the power of Jesus, the name of Jesus, that brings freedom? Because with Jesus, there is authority. With Jesus, there is the absolute clear revelation of who God is. Do you want to know who God is? Look at Jesus. And with Jesus, there is uh, freedom, and he is the only way of salvation. Jesus is the anchor and so Paul and Silas, as they move forward on this mission, they don't get sidetracked by this other stuff, but they proclaim Jesus. And in doing so, this young slave girl is freed from spiritual bondage. And again, in our day, we want to say this doesn't really happen. It doesn't really happen. But with biblical eyes... We see that it does. And sometimes the confrontation with demonic spirits are as overt as this. And other times, it's much more subtle. The deception lives in different places. And so sometimes, even as followers of Jesus, we can find ourselves held fast by spiritual bondage. And so we become trapped by um, our past Decisions that we have made, addictions that we have fostered can hold us fast. Sometimes we are held in bondage by our, our family line, our family tree, and it holds us fast. Things that we learn from our families growing up that we carry with us in messages of judgment and condemnation. And these kinds of things can hold us fast. We can be bound by cultural narratives as the world around us tries to define you, tries to tell you who you are. These cultural narratives can hold you fast, can, can hold us in bondage. We can be held in bondage by gossip and anger and unforgiveness. These are the things that hold our spirits fast and are anchor points for the enemy's work in our lives. 
And so we take these things seriously, not that we can hyper-focus on them to try to control them and take care of them on our own, but we pay attention to these things because these are precisely the places where Jesus is working to bring freedom and redemption and healing and wholeness. This is the work that Jesus does. Jesus frees us by his authority. Jesus frees us by his power. And Jesus frees us by his redemption and salvation. Jesus is the one who yields true freedom. We need not fear the spiritual forces that work around us, but proclaim the name of Jesus, and in him there is freedom. As we move on to the next sort of aspect of this story, verses 25 through 28. So as we talked about a little bit earlier, not everybody was excited about this slave girl's freedom. Notice how even the the cultural narrative kept her in bondage. Her bondage to the demonic spirit paid financial dividends to her owners. They were much more vested in their own finances than they were in her personhood. This is how the enemy works. And so they stirred up trouble, and as a result of that trouble, it was the freeing of this slave girl that stirred up the crowds and landed Paul and Silas in prison. So here they are. Not only are there spiritual spiritual, uh, bondages that we experience in our lives and in the world around us, for which Jesus frees us. There are physical barriers and boundaries, ways that we get blocked. Paul and Silas didn't have it on their, I doubt they had it on their schedule. What are we going to do? It's Tuesday, 4 o'clock, jail. Got it written right in here. This is the plan. Time to go to jail. All right, let's do this thing, guys. No, no, no. This was, anybody would have looked at this and said, that's not the plan. That isn't the plan. You're not supposed to be going to jail. That's not the mission. You're supposed to be preaching Jesus, and here you are going to jail. And so the temptation is to go, well, they're they're being imprisoned. They're being shackled. They've been beaten, humiliated in the town square. Certainly, they need to give the mission a rest. Certainly, this is a, a bit of a timeout for them. But they didn't see it that way at all. They just saw the change of location. And so here, even as they experience the physical bondage, the physical obstacle to their mission, they understood that God's mission doesn't stop. And so we see that in a couple of different ways. They praised God anyway. There they were in stocks in the innermost part of the prison, the dark, gross part of the jail. What did they do? They praised God. They prayed and sang hymns, so much so that others could hear. Like they weren't just going, no, they were singing, they they were letting it out. Sometimes we're afraid even in a place like this to sing that loud. Don't want anybody to hear me, like as if our ego is tied up on whether or not we can sing well. But here they were in prison singing and praising the Lord, singing these hymns, and nothing could stop them. And others heard what was going on. God's mission was taking place right there in the prison. They were good with that. Like they didn't know at that point what was about to happen. All they knew is we're imprisoned. My body hurts, but praise the Lord. 
right? They didn't allow the bondage to stop them. They knew the mission went forward even when they were imprisoned. And God shows us how he shows up in this. The earthquake. Let, let's be clear that like the, earthquakes, the earthquake establishes this is a movement of God. This wasn't somebody with a slippery little key. This wasn't somebody who hit a key and now could use it. This wasn't somebody who was doing some sort of trickery. Only God could do this. And so that's why the earthquake, the shaking, the trembling when God shows up. And as the earthquake comes fiercely, the doors get thrown open. And Paul and Silas are freed. They were free when they were in. They were freed when they were out. But notice sometimes the way God frees us can even be a little bit scary. You think when they were experiencing the earthquake, they might have had a moment like, whoa, what's going on? Like if you've ever been in an earthquake, how many of you have been in an earthquake? Few of you? Yeah, you you felt this. And the, the earth is moving. When the earth moves, it gets your attention, doesn't it? Now, very rarely, when the earth is really shaken, as much to like swing those doors open, people go, oh, yawn, whatever, right? There's, when the earth is moving, like your life is shaken. And sometimes God's showing up will shake, and our initial response can be fearfulness. God, you're too big. God, you're too massive. But God shows up, and when he shows up, there's freedom, Paul and Silas were freed when they were in jail. They were freed when the earthquake shook and the doors blew open. And they were so free, they were so free that they didn't leave when the doors were open. They saw something bigger that God was doing in their midst. And it was not just about their physical comfort or freedom. That God was doing something. Again, you and I can so very easily get caught up in our comfort in our ability to do what we want, when we want to do it, how we want to do it. We call that freedom and independence that we miss what God is doing. And there are sometimes where God has got you places that you would prefer not to be. Some of you are sitting here today and you would prefer not to be here. Maybe not in the church, but, but maybe you wouldn't even prefer to be in the church, right? I'm not going to take a raise of hands on that one. But you're like, I don't, I don't want to live in New Hampshire right now. I've been trying to get somewhere else. And, and there's a sense that if I can get somewhere else, then the mission will begin. God has got you where he's got you, and the mission doesn't stop. There's freedom in jail, and there's freedom when the doors fly open. Why is there freedom? Because God is present, and nothing thwarts his presence and his intentions and his mission, Amen. right? Hallelujah. And so we might find ourselves in places that we don't want to be. You might right now find yourself in a place that you don't want to be. Right. And it may even feel for you like the, like the prison doors are closed. But listen, God is a God of freedom. And if you are his, he is present with you, even in the innermost parts of the jail. Even in the dark, darkest, dankest, most entrapped place, God is present. And what we see is in his presence, there is freedom. So God frees us from the spiritual bondage. God frees us from physical being, being held captive because the mission moves on. Even when we feel constrained uh, physically. And we see this in this third part here, verses 29 through the end, is that we zoom in on the, the jailer and what God is doing in his life. His life was threatened 
by his inability, his failure to keep the jail sealed up tight. And he drew his sword ready to run himself through and take his own life. Sometimes God shows up in the very place where our life has been shaken and turned upside down. That everything we thought we could count on has been taken from us. And where we think that the only thing we've got left is to die. In that place, God shows up. And he brings a freedom of the soul that only he can bring. And so this jailer who thought his life was over heard from the darkness, don't hurt yourself, we're still here. That, my friends, is the shout of freedom. And he heard the beckoning call of freedom through the witness of Paul and Silas. And we see this man who, as you talked about, brought this gift home with him. His questions, what must I do to be saved? Believe in the Lord Jesus. Now, it might have been tempting that, what must I do to be saved? Let us out. (laughs) And then we'll tell you. What must I do to be saved? Take good care of us and we'll clue you in, right? They pointed immediately to Jesus because Jesus is the one who saves. Jesus is the source of freedom and life from all that holds us captive, including our sin. Now that's true for us today as well. Life can shake us up. And it does it in different ways. For some, it's just speed bumps, And you notice as you're going through life, oh, oh, what is that? And we can pay attention to speed bumps in our lives. Uh, Speed bumps. um, An example might be uh, you and your wife just keep having the same argument. Does that ever happen? No show of hands. Does for me. Why are we having the same argument that we keep having? Speed bump. And those speed bumps are opportunities to notice and to see. Why is this continuing to be our argument? Right? And we can begin to explore those things. And, and it can be what God uses to capture our attention. Sometimes it's not speed bumps. Sometimes it's just a brick wall. You ever seen like the, the, the Instagram reels or the TikToks where they're doing like brake checks on cars and they're shooting them right up against walls? Sometimes life feels like you're just getting shot right up against a wall, isn't it? Hey, we're tooling along fine. Oh, I don't have my job anymore. Not my choice. Brick wall. (sighs) Tooling along fine. Oh, my husband wants a divorce. My wife wants a divorce. Didn't plan that. (sighs) Oh, tooling along fine. Our kids are perfect. I mean, mine are. (laughs) But maybe yours aren't. Right? We, everything's licked up. We're, I'm a good parent. I'm a good parent. We had everything that we needed. We had everything needed. The stock market crashed. Right? These brick walls that we hit that stop us in our tracks and turn our life upside down is precisely the moment that God is present and capturing our attention. And if we'll pay attention, sometimes we'll see he holds up these mirrors these mirrors. A lot of times the things that we judge most harshly is frankly a mirror that we hold up and look at and see in ourselves. 
God is so gracious, he holds up mirrors and lets us see. Sometimes as we're studying scripture and we're seeing something uh, beautiful and good in another, God opens a window and lets us see something. Go, oh, I wish that was me. Oh, I wish that was me. Right? So you're with somebody and they just pray. Oh, the beautiful prayers. It's a window. I see. Oh, I wish I could pray like that. You see a couple that's married together. You're like, oh, how they treat each other and how they love each other. Oh, I wish that was me. Right? So we open up these windows. These are all ways that God works in our lives where it seems like our world is being turned upside down. But as our world is turned upside down, that's precisely the place where God is at work. And so what do we do? Shouting from the darkness comes the proclamation, believe in Jesus. What must I do to be saved? Believe in Jesus. It's the answer. Jesus is the answer. Not just the thing that is sort of the mocking Sunday school answer. What's the answer? Jesus. Jesus is the answer. Out of the piercing darkness comes the proclamation, believe in Jesus. Believe, and we've seen this throughout Acts, drawing people into the reality of the life death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus. And as such, Jesus is Messiah and Lord over all of creation. And through his generous, loving sacrifice, you can be drawn into this through the forgiveness of sin. He has forgiven your sin through the sacrifice, the pouring out of his own blood. By his blood, you are forgiven and drawn into this new reality, the reign and rule of God. Believe in Jesus, his death and resurrection. Believe in the revelation that when you see Jesus, you see God. What does God look like? Look at Jesus. That Jesus carries authority, that his mission doesn't rest on our authority, our say-so. He carries his own authority, and the mission moves forward on his authority. And that Jesus is the way of salvation. Not a way, the way of salvation. And then how is the response to this? What is this response? At that very hour, he took them out, and he and his household were baptized. Baptism is this beautiful sign of allegiance. It says, I am no longer primarily allegiant to these other forces at work in my life. I am giving myself to Jesus. And baptism, the baptism of repentance, is also a baptism of allegiance. And so here is this official, this jailer, this uh, man of authority who humbly gives his allegiance to Jesus. And he was baptized, he and his household, immediately. That's powerful, friends. That's what belief looks like. Belief wasn't, he took a quick catechism class and now he's got all the right theology. Belief is, yes, and I, I'm in. I'm in. That's belief. And this is why we start belief with baptism, even today. So we talk about coming up in just a couple of weeks. We're going to do baptisms. If you are a follower of Jesus and you have never been baptized, coming up on Labor Day weekend, we would love to celebrate with you your humble allegiance to Jesus through baptism. And if you've never been baptized, like go on um, the little uh, connection cards, the, the live it, share it cards that are in the seat in front of you. You can let us know. I've got questions about baptism. You can go online. And uh, look uh, for the Live It Share card online under what's happening. And uh, get in touch with somebody. We'll talk to you about what baptism looks like and how you can be prepared for that and answer all of your questions about it, all right? So we want to have that conversation as you give yourself in allegiance to Jesus, all right? 
This is what that call is. What must I do to be saved? Right? So we've seen this, this young slave girl uh, terrorized and held captive by a demon. We've seen these two faithful men on mission held captive in a jail. And in the moment that God shows up and reveals himself, the question begs, what must I do to be saved? And the answer is, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. For the slave girl, Jesus Christ is the one that frees her. There in the jail, in the jail, praise to the most high God. Jesus is what saves them. And to the jailer and his family whose life has been turned upside down. What must I do to be saved? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. And that day he does. And already the salvation of Christ is working in him in his acts of mercy. Those that brought salvation to his household, he tended to their wounds and bandaged them up. It's a beautiful picture really of this freedom, this freedom and new life that this jailer has, never to be the same again. And you and I can write ourselves into these stories as those who are held captive. Might be in different ways, different kinds of captivity, but my friends, Jesus is the only way to freedom. Jesus is the only way to freedom. Will you believe this and give yourself to him? We're going to pray here in just a moment. Yeah, we're going to pray here in just a moment. And I'm going to invite you as I'm going to lead us in prayer. But maybe there's something that's been sticking in your soul, a place you're feeling stuck. I want to ask you, if you would, just kind of as a sign of I'm hungry for freedom in a minute, you're just going to raise your hand up. As I pray, you're just going to raise your hand up and say, I want freedom. I want freedom. And right now I'm feeling stuck. But Jesus, I need your freedom. And if that's you, as I pray, just lift up your hand is a sign, just a, a way that our body does something in response to the good news of Jesus. Lift up your hands and then receive the freedom that he and he alone gives. Let's pray together. Jesus, we cry out to you. We need freedom. Free us, Lord Jesus. For some, we are held in bondage in captivity by the stories we have told ourselves since we were children. And the accuser is taking advantage of those things and holding us fast. And we pray in the powerful name of Jesus that you would bring freedom today. For some, we are where we do not want to be. We pray that in the midst of that place, you would bring freedom. Hearts of prayer and worship in the jail cell that you would show us freedom in the cell and freedom when the doors open. That we might be men and women who proclaim your freedom even from the pit of darkness. And Father, for some of us, we are trapped by our own sin and corruption. 
and death entangles us like a cord. And you, Jesus, our life, forgive us for our sin that we might be freed and know life. Jesus, you are life and freedom. Lead us and guide us, we pray, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Stand with me if you would. If there's any other thing we can pray for you, we've got a prayer team that's going to be up here. We'd love to be able to have the chance to do that. Like if you're feeling stuck in this place, like we just prayed together, but you want some more prayer, let's pray together and see what God's going to do. Here is freedom in the cell. There is freedom when the cell's open. But with him, there is freedom. And as you walk through these doors, and I know you're all going to go to the luncheon right after this, right? We get to share lunch together, hear some stories of what God does. Let's do that together. And as you walk through these doors, may you know his peace. May you know his joy. May you know his freedom, his freedom as you walk in his love. Thanks for being here. Have a great week. Take a little bit to stop and reflect on what God might be saying to you and how you'll respond to him today. Wherever you are on your journey of faith, we are here to serve you. Find us at centerpointnh.org and join us on the journey of living and sharing a life-changing relationship with Jesus.